Hi, Mike. <laughs> Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, boy. Gotta love you. Gotta love you. All right, we are gathered here this evening to study God's Word. And you know, at the prayer meeting moments ago, I just realized that it is such a joy and an honor to be up here to teach God's Word to all of you. Um, never envisioned it the first time I walked through these doors that I'd ever be up here, but here I am. God had other plans, and uh, thankfully He did. Uh, it's been a great journey growing in the, in the Word and in the ministries, and I just want to thank you all because you're the reason I'm here. It's uh, just a joy to be with you all. Um, let's prepare our hearts if we have to confess our sin. Let's do that as we prepare to study. First uh, John 1 John 1.9 says, if we've confessed our sins, we, he, he, the Lord, is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'll give you all a few moments if that's necessary, and then I will open in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so joyed and joy being with you in this old meeting house. Father, we just love one another, and that's the purpose of this study tonight, is to help us to learn how to love one another and to be a better, more unified family in Christ so that we can glorify you and make disciples. So, Father, help us this evening. Help us to focus. Help uh, each one of us to uh, be edified from this teaching tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've been in this study. We're now in the use of the Greek pronoun alelum. We're on to Thessalonians, Titus, and Hebrews. This will conclude uh, the use of this pronoun by the Apostle Paul in his letters. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, there's speculation about who wrote Hebrews, so if it was Paul, he's in there too. If not, well, we still got all of Paul's uh, writings through, through those. So. so we want to take this time to study because as a church, as a church family, uh, we can always do better, we can always love more, we can always help more, encourage more, comfort more, than we're doing. And so, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Bible has been recorded and preserved so that we can look at these things. These Sometimes they're commands, sometimes they're just exhortations uh, on how to do this, how to love one another in various ways. So let's, uh, let's look at that. Actually, this is episode six. I got to correct that. All right, but our uh, summary verse, as I've mentioned, and I'm going to do this every time we're in this series, is John 15, 12. This is my commandment, Jesus is speaking in the Upper Room Discourse, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And as we saw already, uh, this is a, a present active subjunctive where it says you love because you may do it. You may choose not to do it. You should do it. That's the uh, 
the case there in the, in the Greek, second person plural. But the I have loved you is first person singular. That's an aorist active indicative. So Jesus has loved his disciples. He's loved each one of us because he went to the cross on our behalf. He paid the penalty for sin that we could never pay. So we define that love. What is love? When you think about it, what is love? Well, Jesus defined it as greater love as no, no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That is an ultimate expression of love. And that's what he did for us on the cross. That's beyond our ability for most of us. We can't, we're not going to die for somebody. But we do have the ability to love, to love one another. And we are enabled, how? By uh, reading Philippians 4.13, we read, I can do all things through him, Christ, who strengthens me. Because we are in Christ, he has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us in our daily walk as long as we remain in fellowship. Now, personal sin will break that fellowship, and we've got to get back into fellowship if we're going to have the Holy Spirit working through us and empowering us. But if God loves us, and he does, we can and, sure, and should love one another. God, God is love, as we read in the Bible. So we should love one another just because that, that's what God has done for us. We need to, to love one another one another as well. So here's a question for everyone. Are you loving everyone in your path? That's not easy. Some people you may consider to be unlovable. But you know what? God loves them. God loves them. He loved you when you were a rotten sinner until that moment where you trusted Christ. But there's still people out there who haven't done that. They need us to love them and draw them to Jesus Christ. Okay. What did we learn last time? Well, we learned to tolerate one another. <laughs> and that is, that's kind of a crude way to say it. But to tolerate one another, that comes from uh, Ephesians 4, 2, if you want to turn there, that we looked at last time. But we're all different. None of us are, are identical. Even identical twins aren't. They have some differences between them. But uh, people do things that we don't like. We do things they don't like. They tolerate us for the most part, right? But in this household, we're, we're called to raise, it, raise the bar to another level. We need to be I hate tolerate, but tolerate is a good word because you're accepting that person as is, what they're doing. As long as it's not, not uh, contrary to the word of God, we need to be doing that. Second, always speak the truth to one another. Now, if you're a lawyer, you expect to be in a court, you expect to hear the truth. But outside the court and inside the church even, you may not be told the truth. You may not tell the truth. Shocking, isn't it? But that is the command. That comes from Ephesians 4.25. Do not lie to one another. We want to make sure we are always speaking the truth to one another. Number three on our list, we need to demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. 
if you're not sure what that fruit of the Spirit is, and I got, I usually can get seven, six or seven of the nine, but that's found in Galatians 5.22. Emma probably knows it by heart. Uh, so let me read that. Hang on a second while I find it. I'm not, not winning the sword drill tonight. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruit. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, not fruit, plural, but that is the fruit of the Spirit. All those things in, in combination. And this is what we need to be demonstrating. Not just sometimes, not when we feel like it, but that's what we need to be demonstrating all the time. Fourth one is a little harder. Be subject to one another. Now, what does Paul mean here? Well, that's, that's uh, Ephesians 5.21. Let me just read that real quick in case you weren't here last time. For a little context, that we need to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. In the fear of Christ. Why should we be afraid of Christ? Well, we're not. We're not we shouldn't be fearful. But we do have a judgment where we're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We are going to be judged for the things we've done in the body, whether good or bad. So there's, there's a sense that we need to be thinking more uh, for eternity in how we are dealing with each other. And by being subject to one another, serving one another, that's what Jesus said he did. He came not to be served, but to serve. He is our pattern. So be subject to one another. Then we found uh, in Philippians 2, 3, consider one another more important. This is the passage, if you remember, the kenosis, where Christ takes on flesh and is born in the world in a body that God prepared for him. So by considering he left his position in heaven to be born as a man, what a, what a low, low place he, he did come down to, but he came down to our level to save us. So we should be doing that. We should be considering each other more important. Even though there's equality in the body of Christ, we need to be having our attitude to be considering one another more important than ourselves. Sixth, again, this is do not lie to one another. It's repeated here in uh, Colossians 3.9 that uh, we always tell the truth. You don't want to lie to one another. That is so hurtful when you are discovered to have lied to somebody. It, it, you, sometimes it can really hurt the other person when you lie to them. Lies are of Satan, not of God. And finally, we learned last time to bear with and be forgiving of one another. And that was Colossians 3.13. 3, read that real quick. So, this verse 12, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, 
put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, this is verse 13, and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you, so also should you. So we need to be forgiving. Why? Because God forgave us. We were committing sins against God, a holy and righteous uh, God that created us, that loves us, and yet we were sinners. He forgave us. We need to be forgiving of one another because Christ went to that cross and we have received the benefits of his work on that cross by believing and trusting in what he's done. Okay, so we're going to take a little little sidetrack here for, for a few moments and talk about the wise and the foolish. This is the Jesus parable about the concluding words from the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew chapter 7. And if you know the story, well, there's, there's two men talked about. We'll get to it. Uh, we're not a finished product here at Preston City Bible Church. We need to continue to grow, to continue maturing and unifying in our spiritual walk with the Lord. This isn't about the church or a church, but it's just a lesson here that we can all apply in our own lives, the wise builder and the foolish builder. And I said that's Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And here we have, here we read, Therefore all who hear these words, and this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, all who hear these words of mine and does them, that's the key, does them, will be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. That's the uh, Greek poieo, a present active indicative, third person singular, means to do, axon, uh, sounds partial at best, it's incomplete at worst. You do Jesus' commands or you don't. It's kind of dry. You're either in obedience or disobedience. All right. So here's a house built on a rock. I'm not sure that's the type of structure that Jesus envisioned when he told the disciples, but uh, you can see that that's a house that's built on the rock. And that is from uh, wordpress.com. I don't know if I need to give them a shout out or not, but uh, that's that. Verse 25, Matthew 7, 25. And it fell the rain, and they came, the floods, and they blew the winds and slammed against that house, and it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. Now, how had been founded, that's the Greek, themaliao, a pluperfect. And Mike can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, pluperfect is the tense of a verb that denotes an action that was completed in the past, but the results in the past, they, they may or not still exist in the present. Did I sum that up, Mike? Is that basically it? it it's not very common in, in the New Testament. But uh, in this case, we know that the house did stand afterwards into the present because it has been founded upon the rock. So that's, if you are obeying Jesus' words, you're following his commands, you're building your life on that rock, that solid foundation for your life. You will have, you will not uh, 
fall apart during the hard times or when things come up against you. Matthew seven twenty six. And all who hear these words of mine and does not do them, here's the contrast, does not do them, will be compared to a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. How's that look? <laughs> so you don't want to be that guy who building on the sand. And think about it in terms of your life. Who are you listening to? Who are you following? Where are you getting advice? These are the things you should be getting from the Word of God because that is firm. Whatever men teach, whatever comes out of the latest uh, newspaper article, internet article, has a lot of... Uh, I, I would treat with skepticism. Uh, this, this house, I don't know <laughs> if it ever got fixed. That's, uh, came, I got that off of teacherhead.com. So a couple of different, two different houses uh, because they were built on two different foundations. And so think about that in your life. What are you building your life upon? Where are you getting your information, your wisdom? Hopefully it is from the Word of God. And just to f- finish this, and it fell the rain, and they came, the floods, and they blew the winds and slammed against that house, and it fell, and was its fall great. So this is what happens to us when we trust in ourselves or others and reject the Word of God. And that's a great visual example, right? I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was fun. All right, so let's get into Alelon and uh, Thessalonians. Uh, if you can want to turn to Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 12, we read, And may the Lord cause you to increase and to abound in love to one another and to all, just as also we do to you. Okay, so that word, pleonasai, comes from the Greek verb pleonazo, it's a, this is an aorist, and both of these verbs here are aorist active optatives. And the optative mood, as we mentioned one other time previously, is the, is the mood, or, yeah, the mood of, of desire or wishing something to, to happen. And that's Paul's desire here. He wants God, the Lord, to present and to increase and abound you in your love to one another. How are you going to do that? Well, you've got to ask them. A lot of these uh, things, we don't just, they don't just fall upon us. We have a part to play in our spiritual growth. So we have to ask. We have to pray and ask God, Lord, help me to, to abound in love more. Help, help me to increase my love for everyone more. So it's the Lord that will be causing you to love one another or helping you to increase your love for one another. And it's interesting, note this is the first time in this study that we really see uh, the Lord taking an active role in, in our development, in our growth, in our maturation process. The Lord here can cause you to have your love increase for one another. So by all means, ask him. Ask and you will receive. That's 
right from uh, the Gospels. So how exciting is, think about that, how exciting is it to know that God wants us to love one another? God wants us to love one another. To me, that's very exciting. Okay, moving on. 1 Thessalonians 4.9, and here we read, Now concerning the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Aha! We're getting God involved here. We're being taught by God. Do you ever realize that? God is teaching us? Really? Yes. That's what it says. These people were taught by God, and so can we. We can be taught by God. The Word of God teaches us. Read your Bibles. And so that you can love one another as God wants us to love. Now that's that word taught by God, theodidaktos, a plural predicate adjective, meaning exactly what it says on the slide, taught by God. You have God at the front and the verb for teaching on the back. Now, that's the only time this word appears in the New Testament, but the word didaktos by itself or alone does appear three other times. John 6.45 and 1 Corinthians 2.13, where it's twice in that one verse. But here, God has been the one teaching us. He has been teaching us. If we're trying to learn, he will teach us. What a great uh, thing to know. How many of you knew that? God is teaching us. Not me. It's not Pastor Dave. I mean, we have a role to play, but the teaching is from God. Understand that. First Thessalonians 4.18, one of the most exciting passages in the Bible. This is the passage on the rapture. And this comes at, this is the last verse in that, but I want to read the entire the entire uh, passage. Starting in verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord Will, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another, with these words. There's our verse, verse 18. Therefore, because of all this that's going to happen in the future, now the Thessalonians had been concerned. Hey, you said God was going to come for us, Paul, but some of us have died. Are they missing out? Are they going to be left behind? Paul writes this response to them so that they can have full confidence that they're not going to be left behind. In fact, they're going to be first. The ones who have died in Christ will be 
raised first. Then those who are still alive and remain will be gathered together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. How exciting is that? Just consider that. If you're, if you're on the earth at that time and you hear a trumpet and you are instantaneously taken up into the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus in the air, what a, it's just beyond our comprehension. And that's just the beginning because we'll always be with the Lord forevermore. That's what it tells us. Always be with the Lord. So they had no reason to uh, be grievous or to be grieving about their friends, their relatives who had passed on ahead of them. No, they were to comfort one another, and that's a command. It's parakaleo, a present active imperative, second person plural, and it means to encourage, exhort, urge, appeal to, or call to one side for encouragement or, or, and or comfort. That's what you're supposed to do with those who are grieving that they've been separated from their loved ones in Christ. So that's just as applicable as it was for them then, for us today. When someone passes on and, and yeah, we miss them, we want them to be here with us, but because of sin, death passed on all men, for all have sinned. So, but we can still comfort one another with these words. And we can use it also in evangelism as well. But that's it. The Greek is, is very clear. It's a present active imperative. We are commanded to do this when people are grieving about their loved ones. First Thessalonians 5.11. Here we read, For this reason, and I'll read some of the context for that, Encourage one another and build up that one just as also you are doing. Uh, let's look at, look at verse 9 of chapter 5. It says, For God has not destined us, God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. And because of that, for that reason, encourage one another and build up that one just as also you are doing. So Paul commends them for the work that they're doing, encouraging one another, but he encourages them to do more, to keep doing that. It's the same, uh, same word as in the previous verse. Comfort, I translated a comfort there because of the context, it's, they were grieving over the, their loved ones. But here, this is talking about, he's, the context is more in focus that they are uh, living and growing and maturing. So that's why I use the word encourage one another, not to comfort in, that, in this instance. But it's the same word in the Greek, parakalete. All right, so comfort is not required in this, in this verse here, but... Uh, Encouragement is always appreciated to one, by one another. So, so do it. Encourage one another as you have opportunity. Um, oops. Encourage one another just as they were doing. And that's what we need to be doing here at Preston City Bible Church. Encouraging one another in your spiritual development, in your 
Bible studies, in your reading of scriptures, in whatever it is in your, in your life, you need to be comforted and exhorted and encouraged. Do that for one another. Do that for one another. Okay. First Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one, evil for evil, another repays, but always the good seek for one another and for all. So this is uh, seek, that's uh, the Greek word, verb, the oko, present active imperative again, meaning to run, hasten, press on, chase after. That's what we're to do, seeking the good for one another. And notice the last three words in this verse, and for all. So now up until this point in our study, we pretty much one another applied to a fellow believers. But here, Paul is extending that beyond the church at Thessalonica to include for all, for all. Raising the bar. We have a lot expected from us uh, in, these, in these epistles. We are to love one another and seek the good for one another but not just for them in the church, but for all. That's, that's a heavy lift. And like I said, in our own strength, we're not going to probably be able to do that. In fact, I know we can't. I know I can't. But the Holy Spirit can empower us to do and to share God's love with one another. That's the, the lesson here. Seek good for one another and for all. You know, a lot of times unbelievers are turned off by how they're treated by Christians. Don't be that stumbling block to them or for them. Treat them nice. Seek their good to draw them to Christ. Because that's what they need, not just favorable uh, things happening for their you know, temporal lives, but uh, to make that decision to accept Christ, make Christ attractive to them. All right, that's all the uh, occurrences of a lay loan in First Thessalonians. There's only one in Second Thessalonians, and that's in Second uh, Thessalonians, chapter one, verse three, where we read, "We ought always to give thanks to God concerning you, brothers, just as is fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of every one of you to one another is becoming greater." So that word translated is becoming greater. It's planazo, and it's in the present active indicative, third person singular, meaning to become more or become great. God is the one who's been working, and he's doing that to improve the character of this church, and he's the one behind all of this uh, faith being, being enlarged and becoming greater. That's all from God. You know, the, the apostles asked Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. They were with him <laughs> personally. He was right there with them. And yet they still needed uh, him to help increase their faith. And many times we have periods where we're down. We're not, our faith is not as strong as we'd like it to be. But we can always pray to God that he will work in us and strengthen our faith. And many times he gives us uh, tests and challenges, and that's, that's to 
help us to understand that he's there, he's with us, and that we can use those examples of overcoming these tests and trials to increase our faith so that the next one that comes up will be even more prepared for it because our faith will be strengthened knowing that God is working in me and in you so that we can continue to grow. All right, so God is always, has been, he is, and is going to keep working to improve us and to finish the work that he started. Don't quench the spirit, don't grieve the spirit. Let him do his work within you so that you can be pleasing in every way to God. God's trying to to build us up. We have a a destiny uh, in the kingdom and beyond. Be ready for it. Train yourself. Look forward to it. God's not going to give you something that's over your head that you're not capable of doing. He knows you. He created you. He will give you what you need to be successful if you are trusting in him. Okay. On to Titus. Titus 3.3. For we were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. A negative use of one another. We don't want to be hating one another. That's not what God's all about. That's not what we're about. We are about loving one another, not hating one another. But before we came to Christ, that was our pattern. We were hateful and hating one another. This is talking about getting beyond that. Uh, Hating, the Greek word is meseo, present active participle, nominative plural, means to hate, detest, disfavor, or disregard, all those things, yeah, you can lump them under hate. Only in Christ is there the possibility of real change. You can, you can pretend, you can mask your uh, sinful, sinful uh, patterns for a while, but eventually that's not going to happen. It's gonna, gonna, you're going to reveal your true self. Only in Christ can you have real change because the Spirit is in us, and once we have become saved, we have the Holy Spirit, and if we are continually walking by means of the Spirit, we cannot fulfill the lusts of our flesh. That's, that's an absolute, we can't do that. So what's the answer to hating one another? Keep walking by the Spirit. Let the Spirit have its way in you. Don't go on uh, apart from God by breaking fellowship, and then trusting your own strength to uh, deal with one another because we are, in our natural man, hateful and full of hate. If we continue reading on from verse 3, Titus 1.3, if we go to verse 4, hang on a second. Oh, Titus 3, 4. I'm sorry. He gives the solution. He says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, 
He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that, this is the, this is the purpose, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If we have a hope of eternal life, then we can do these things being uh, loving to one another that we wouldn't normally have a reason to do that. But because Christ has died for us and we've been, had the Holy Spirit poured out on us and just, we've been justified before God and have eternal life in our future, we can do these things as we have the Spirit working through us. And he says this is a trustworthy statement. So I believe Paul in his message to Titus that this is what we need to do. Shun hating one another. We're a new creature in Christ. Those are the old ways. Our new mission is to love one another. All right. And our last verse for tonight, Hebrews 10.24. I think most of us know this. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works, right? That's it. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works. Now, for those of you who know about Hebrews 10, it comes right before 11. (laughs) And uh, Hebrews 11 is the list of all the Old Testament uh, men of faith. And that's... uh, this is just like a preemptive uh, passage to get us to think about that. How did they do it? How did the Old Testament heroes of faith, what did they do? How did they live? How did they demonstrate that faith? Well, one thing they did for the most part was they considered how to stimulate one another to love and good works. Now, they all had all... Uh, Incidents in their lives where they were less than stellar, we know that. But at the same time, they demonstrated faith. They demonstrated faith, and that's how they got listed there. So let us consider. That's the Greek katana'eo. Wait a minute. Katana'eo. Yes. Now this is a present, active, subjunctive, first-person plural, and it means to contemplate, consider, notice, or observe. Now you may do this. You may be meditating on these things. Hey, how can I stimulate one another to love and good works? You may not. You know, I'm thinking that maybe we could put something out on on the one church if people want to send me their uh, maybe practical things they you can do to demonstrate or how to stimulate one another to love and good works. Then I can compile them because at the end of this study or this lessons, I want to do a a summary and summarize everything and to have some practical things we can do as a church to each other, for each other, I think would be a great uh, project. So if you do have some things, use the one church, send them to me, and I'll try to uh, correlate them all together. And then uh, on that final presentation, be able to share with the entire church family, how we can do these things. 
hopefully they're not expensive or they're not too time consuming or, or whatever, but simple things. That's what I'm looking for. Simple things just to let people know, hey, I love you today. I love you all the time, but right now I'm thinking of you. I think that'd be a great project for all of us to think about how we can do things that don't have to be extravagant or, you know, super uh, off, the, off the charts, but just so many times in our culture, we're so busy, we're so tired at the end of the day that just a comforting word would be so much appreciated. So please consider any small things we can do for each other to send them to me so that I can get them out to everybody. Okay, so, Katanael, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works. Because that's our goal. As, as a church family, we should be helping, supporting, loving uh, each other. That's why we, you know, we, we, are, we have a mission, yes, for Christ, but we also have to do it together. You know, and, and you know, we, we pray for the, the Beachwood and the Bayview Ministries, and a lot of times I get named, but I couldn't do that by myself if it wasn't for Lou and Aileen and uh, Amy Adams and, and Larry and Jeannie and Diane and John Kufchak. I mean, there's so many people that uh, help that make it so much more enjoyable doing it with them than by myself or just me and Kathy that uh, it's just a great ministry, but it's only because of everyone that's also helping us uh, Share the love of Christ to these residents who can't get out. Anyway, that's my little soapbox on that. But let's do that. Let's consider, think about it. How can we do things to stimulate one another to love and good works? All right. Now, that is what I have for uh, our, our lesson tonight. Next time we're going to start, and well, I'll get there. But before we do that, what I want to talk about is getting clean. Romans ten twelve says, "For there's no distinction between Jew and and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him." Romans ten thirteen, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So as we get ready to close tonight, I want to invite anyone and everyone who has not accepted Christ as your own personal Savior to just let me read a few verses because we want you to hear what Christianity is all about. It's about trusting Jesus Christ and his work on the cross as, as God's solution to the sin problem we have. So turn with me to Luke chapter 18, if you would. Luke chapter 18, and I want to just read this parable, starting in verse 9. And he, Jesus, also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. 
God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, the sinner. Verse 14, Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So when I was looking at this, you know, yes, we've, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, if you're an unbeliever, look at what this tax collector did. Take notice. He stood a distance away. He didn't go in to the temple. He didn't consider himself worthy. He had an understanding that he was a sinner. And not only that, he was unwilling to even look up to heaven, to, to look at God in heaven, which is, uh, we bow our heads as a sign of humility, but uh, in that day, it was customary to look upward to pray. But the tax collector wouldn't even do that. Instead, he was looking down and beat his breast saying, God, be merciful. He was asking God to be gracious to him. Because, he, what does he say? Be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, if you've never considered yourself a sinner, if you're not saved, if you haven't accepted Christ, well, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You, you are a sinner. We all were that have accepted Christ. We all at one time were. The difference is, what are your thoughts about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he was buried? Do you believe that he rose from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures? The Philippian jailer asked the Apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So I like this story because he didn't say all that he could have said. He didn't invoke the name of Jesus, but he's, he knew enough, he knew enough to ask God for mercy. Now we have a mission as disciples of Christ to explain who Jesus is and what he's done. That's our mission when we promote the gospel and tell it to the unbeliever. We need to do that. We need to make it clear. So please make it clear as you go forth in your mission field, wherever you are, because there's always unbelievers in your midst. And uh, if you haven't made that decision to accept Christ, or if you're unsure of your eternal destiny, uncertain of your salvation, we'd like to make that more clear to you so that you can have that confidence to go forth not worrying about your eternal destiny, but be convinced that you are an heir of God, a child of God, and will have eternal life forever and forever. I hope you will really consider that. If you haven't made that decision yet, please do. Uh, and we'd like to 
to share with you if, if you would have us. Uh, but let us know. Let us know. All right, next time, we're going to continue our study, but we're going to have a different author. We're going to see, uh, look at James and First and Second Peter, see how they use this preposition, a lay loan, and that will be episode seven. All right, so that's it for tonight. Um, if you have any questions, please come see me afterwards. If not, well, let's, let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to have the words of life at our fingertips. We are able to read your holy word, the scriptures that, that give us uh, the bread of life. Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you've done for us, for our so great salvation, for our daily provisions that you pour out on us each and every day. Father, for those who haven't made that decision for Christ, we pray that you will give them clarity of thought to understand reality. And the reality is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. Father, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them of their need, that you will arrange the circumstances and the individuals to come into their lives who can share the Word of God more accurately and better for them so that they can understand and make that decision to trust Jesus Christ for their eternal salvation and have eternity to spend with you. Father, as we as believers here at Preston City Bible Church go forth, we pray that you will use us, that we will all be exercising our spiritual gifts for the building up of one another, but also for sharing the the love of God, the love of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit's uh, working in our lives to a world that is lost and degenerating and in so need of salvation. Father, we ask these things. Bless us with with, uh, your blessing as we leave and depart. In Jesus' name, amen.